and the wonderful gift that you have given to us. Uh, help us as we reflect on that now to feel the joy, to know the goodness of a God who loves us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, can I just say that Christmas is good. I think we just heard that in the kids' talk, didn't we? Christmas is good. I don't know if that's what you think. Uh, I think it's good. I think most people still probably think that Christmas is good. That is, it's a time of, of joy and happiness. It's a, a time of feasting and, and fun, of family and fruitcake. And let's face it, who doesn't like fruitcake? Put up your hand if you don't like fruitcake. You can all leave right now. No, I'm only kidding. You can, uh, no, I'm only, you can stay. That's okay. Uh, now, Josh said that they were, we were going to be uh, getting the kids to draw some pictures. Now, I thought here was a moment to stop. I don't know how you've gone in the first picture that Josh got you to, uh, to draw, but here is one for you. That is, I've said Christmas is good. Draw a picture of something that you think is good about Christmas. Whatever you think is good. Now, that's for the kids, not the adults, right? Okay, but uh, something that you think is good about Christmas. Okay, we're going to keep going. You guys draw. You can come and show me your pictures later. But can I say, Christmas is good, but it's more than some of the things that I've said. It's because Christmas is good because it's a time of giving and receiving presents. Uh, it's a time of messages of goodwill to and from old friends. And can I say, in this way... Christmas is actually good for society. It's good when we take time out to relax and to enjoy ourselves. It's good that we keep up contact with family and friends. It's good that we keep the retail business, business busy and profitable as well. Uh, and can I say, it's also good that we're, we're able to be generous and that we can actually teach generosity to another generation. And it's good and it's important to preserve our cultural heritage to remember where this country that has for so long been called the lucky country, to remember the Christian heritage that has brought so much blessing and stability to our nation. I mean, almost the, the whole community can agree that Christmas is good, a time to enjoy yourself. But can I say that Christmas is good for a reason that is much more significant uh, than those that I've already suggested? Uh, there's some of the good trappings of Christmas, if you like, rather than the substance that leads to those good things. The substance of Christmas, I think we could say, is hope. And can I say, when I use the word hope, I'm not, I'm not talking about a vague longing, uh, as, as it's so often used. I, I wish for something, I hope it might happen, but I'm not sure. Rather, it's an assurance that something that is set in motion will, in due time, come to fruition. It's a bit like the farmer who, who sows his seed fully expecting to produce a sure crop. It's that kind of hope, and yet even more sure than that. We see it celebrated, don't we, in many of the carols. Uh, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Or, to us a child of hope is born. Or even the words from the carol that kind of give us the theme uh, this year, a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices. See, Christmas is good because it's the arrival and the celebration of hope. And on this Christmas morning, I want to point out three reasons that Christmas brings hope. So just quickly, three reasons that Christmas brings hope. Here they are. Christmas brings hope because it's the announcement, first, that God loves you, secondly, that God is for you, and thirdly, that God is with you. God loves you. God is for you, and God is with you. 
All right, I'm going to pause there. I don't know how quick the drawers have been. But now, we've just heard that God loves us, kids. Draw a picture of something that you love. What is something that you love? Just, why don't you just draw us a picture of that? Um, and, uh, you know, if you're still drawing the other one and you can't move on yet, that's fine. Just stick where you are. But if you've got a, time to move on, draw a picture of something you love. Uh, can I say, you know that uh, in a, a relationship, uh, when someone, you're with this person for a while and someone utters the words, I love you, it takes the relationship to a, a whole new level, doesn't it? That relationship has gone beyond the kind of good friendship level. That person demonstrates that they are invested in you. They're for your good. They love you. And you notice it at Christmas uh, because you're the one, if you're the one who's loved, then you're the one who gets the best gifts as expressions of that love. Uh, And here, I think, is where we see the greatness of God's love for us in the gift that he has given to every one of us. I mean, God's love for us is actually captured in the most famous sentence in the Bible, I think. It is John 3.16. It's the last one that we just heard read. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. See, Christmas is the realisation that the God who made the world also loves the world. And he loves the world so much that he gave us an extraordinary gift the gift of his only son. See, the the entire reason for Christmas is the love of God for you and for me. And we understand that love more clearly when we understand what that gift that God has given us achieves. That is, he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And what a gift. And it actually shows us not only does God love us, but that he is for us. But what does it all mean? Because what does it mean that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life? Well, I think we get a clearer picture in the passage at the top of your outline from Luke's Gospel there. If you've got one of these outlines on the back there, you'll see the, uh, the, uh, the passage, but also it's on the screen, I think. It is. Let me read it to you. And the angel said to them, that is to the shepherds, that they appeared to out in the fields, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. See, the record of the, the first Christmas is about a birth, and it's about great joy. I mean, those two things often go together, don't they? Uh, The pain of childbirth is replaced soon after by the joy of a newborn baby. It's why when we say happy birthday to you each year, we're saying we're glad that you're here. But the joy expressed here is not simply the joy expressed at the birth of any child. The birth of this child is the birth of a saviour. At the time of Jesus' birth, Israel was oppressed and crushed under the boot of foreign enemies. They needed a saviour. And they knew what to expect of a saviour. Because God had actually promised one who would rescue and who would rule with righteousness and justice. One who would bring peace. So this saviour was not like other saviours that Israel had. It wouldn't be a military conqueror. Not that kind of saviour, but this saviour that was coming, that had come, was the real one. The Christ, God's King, Jesus. 
And he's not just the saviour of Judah and Israel, but he's the saviour of the world. Which is why this is good news of great joy for all the people. And that's because the salvation we all need is not primarily from foreign oppressors, though of course some do. But Matthew's account makes it crystal clear the kind of salvation that Jesus brings. That is, the angel uh, speaks to a fearful Joseph and he says to him this, he says in verse 20, he says, Mary will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. You see, here is the ultimate salvation that Christmas offers. Here is true release. It's actually real hope. It's deliverance from our sin and it's peace with our God. Uh, Blaise Pascal, the French mathematician, philosopher and physicist, said this. He said, If we do not know ourselves to be full of pride, ambition, lust, weakness, misery and injustice, we are indeed blind. And if knowing this, we do not desire deliverance, what can we say of a man? You see, the birth of Jesus set in train God's plan to save us from humanity's greatest darkness, our greatest slavery. I mean, at the other end of his life, at his death and resurrection, Jesus died. But he died not mindlessly, he died in our place to save us from our sin and make peace with God. So do you want peace? Of course you do. Of course peace is good because peace isn't just absence of war, it's a good relationship with people. But if, you, if we want peace in our world, peace in our governments, peace in our workplaces, and more importantly, if you want peace in your home and peace in your heart this Christmas, then the place to start is to embrace the peace that God offers us through Jesus. See, Christmas is good and we rejoice because the Saviour, our Saviour, has been born. And the difference, I think, between uh, Israel in the first century and us is that they actually knew they needed a Saviour. And we often go about oblivious to the fact we celebrate the good things of Christmas without actually ever realising it's God's act of rescue for you and for me. I mean, just before you need saving in the surf, you're actually enjoying yourself, right? You don't even realise that you need a saviour. And we live often oblivious to our danger. But Christmas actually celebrates that God loves us, that God is for us, and that he has come for us and for our salvation. And he doesn't just send Jesus as his representative. I mean, the birth of Jesus is the coming of God himself to be with us. Now, I don't know, again, kids, how you're going with those, uh, those drawings, but here's your last drawing from me. Uh, that is, one of the things that um, always stands out to me when Jesus was born is that he was born and he was placed in a manger, an animal food trough. Uh, I wonder whether you can draw for me a manger uh, in this last part of the talk, and again, I'd love to see your pictures at the end. But we're told, aren't we, that God himself came to be with us in the person of Jesus. It's exactly what we're told in the second passage at the top of your outline from John's Gospel. Have a look at it there. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, 
and we're told that was Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Notice here that we're told that the Word became flesh. The Word was God, and he became flesh. Now, there's enough reason to celebrate Christmas because our Saviour is born. But John tells us that it's God himself who became flesh in the person of Jesus. God didn't come to save my soul or to rejuvenate my spirit or to illumine my mind or to set me an example. He came to be one of us, to be with us. God become man. See, Jesus didn't just kind of appear as a man. He became a man. He died as a man for our sins on the cross and he was resurrected as a man as a guarantee that we would not perish but that we would have eternal life. See, Christmas is the staggering message that God loves us, that he is for us and that he is with us. And here is why Christmas is described as a thrill of hope. I mean, Jesus' birth is hope's birth. Listen to how the carol puts it in O Holy Night. O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Saviour's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the souls felt its worth. The thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. You know, some people might ask what good Christmas has done since we still live in a weary world today. And today there is, isn't there? So much suffering, so much pain, so much hatred, violence, lawlessness, so much brokenness. I mean, this is God's world, but it's not the world that he made. It's God's world deeply damaged by sin. And if there were no hope for the future, then this world would be a terrible place. Is there hope? In the world? Yes, there's hope in the world. I mean, hope invaded the world 2,000 years ago at Bethlehem. And if we want that hope to invade our lives, then we must do what the shepherds did so long ago. That is, we must come and we must bow before that newborn king. Hope is available, but only to those who will humble themselves and bow in faith before the Lord Jesus Christ. See, our weary world in sin and error pining still exists. There is such a thrill of hope, though, when we embrace Jesus. He came to seek and to save. He came to suffer and forgive. He came to rescue and restore. He came, and because he did, there is hope. Hope that sinners can be rescued and that the world can be renewed. I mean, as I heard someone say, it really is true Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. Hope in the here and now, and hope for eternal life that is to come actually rests on one set of shoulders. It rests on the almighty shoulders of Jesus, who loves you, who is for you, and who is with you. He offers you what you have no power to provide for yourself, restored relationship with God, a knowledge of what is really true and life that will never end.
How's that for hope? This is Christmas. And Christmas is about Jesus. And Christmas is good. So let's rejoice because hope has come. Happy Christmas, everyone.